All right. I am really excited for today's podcast. It's the first episode where it also happens to be my first conversation with the individual and our guest. Um, so we're switching up a little bit, but I, I want to kind of show the power that LinkedIn content podcast, putting yourself out there can have in terms of almost you feeling like you get to know someone before you actually talk to them. Uh, so I think this is going to be a fantastic conversation. I'm joined by Justin Belante, co-founder and CEO of Titan Placement Group. Uh, he has started, he's just hit their year anniversary, and I could tell that he's one of the guys that just gets it in terms of business development, recruiting, what needs to happen, and, and how to have success. So I'm super excited to really have my first conversation with him. So Justin, thanks for being here today. Whoa. Wow. What an introduction. Um, I hope I can live up to, you know, at least a third of, of that introduction, man. No, Thank you for having me, Clark. I'm looking forward to it. Of course, man. No, of course. So I, I already know it's going to just be an incredible episode and conversation because I started on this journey to meet like-minded people like yourself mm. that saw in recruiting. I'm like, I think there's a better way to do this. And doing the work is number one, but then just having an intentional and thoughtful approach and as you said, just staying consistently, amazing things can happen. And then you, you put that out there, you just start to meet people and see people. And you can kind of just tell, like, that, that person gets it. Like, I, I got to talk to them at some point. So and then you reach out to me. You're like, hey, like, let's have a conversation. I'm like, let's do it. So uh, here we are. And and we'll start, I think, how we always start, um, you know, inspired by our mutual friend, uh, Benjamin Mena. How did you get into recruiting? Yeah. Um, well... I have been recruiting now for about a decade, and it all started um, at a call center um, where I met my wife. Uh, we worked together on the same team. Uh, she one day woke up and was like, I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we'll go find something that you want to do, and you know, I support you 100%. She did that. She went and you know learned how to uh, be a dog groomer. Uh, I was really excited for her. Um, and, and I started to think, you know, is this really what I want to do forever? Yeah. You know, and I saw the boss man was driving around a brand new Honda Civic. And, you know, at the time I was like, well, he's made it. So, um, <laughs> you know, maybe I do stick it out. And then um, I figured, you know, it's, it's behooved me to, to at least take a look and see what else is out there. Right. So I saw an ad on Craigslist of all places uh, for recruiter. Um, I've only ever heard of those positions in like an elite professional level. And usually, you know, without a degree, you're kind of SOL. So I applied anyways. Um, she invited me in for an interview, went and did an interview and, um, learned how to headhunt. Um, it was pretty much the only tool we had. We had Google and we had a phone. Um, LinkedIn is just, you know, becoming a thing. Um, so we we're kind of figuring that out as we went, and uh, the rest is history. I love it. So, did she have you call candidates or potential businesses that day? Yeah. So that day, I was calling uh, potential businesses, uh, hospitals uh, in the state of Florida, for her to book interviews or for her to book meetings with uh, C-suite, uh, you know, professionals to try and engage with them and, and retain or contingency recruiting services. That's awesome. So how, I mean, that's bold just to dive right into it. I love it. Uh, how was that first call? Like, how'd you feel before those calls? Or were you just like, did not know any better, so you just did it? Like, 
I think it is kind of like, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? The less you know, the easier it is. Kind of beginner's luck. They're just like, here's a list of numbers. Here's a script. And, you know, I fumbled my way through it for a little while. You know, the first three to five calls, it absolutely sounded like I was reading off a piece of paper. Uh, Quickly realized that maybe you don't want to sound like you're reading off a piece of paper. (laughs) So call five to seven, it started to get a little better. I'd say by call 1920, you know, I'm, I'm, just about as good as a, a recruiter who's been doing it for a year. It, it, it's a day in recruiting can feel like it's a year, right? I, I told my wife mm. who just started sort like helping us out on the agency side. She's six weeks in. I'm like, it feels like six years, right? Like it, your brain gets put into a pretzel. There's all these different interactions and responses. And it's just like, this worked this time. It didn't work that time. And it's just like, how do you figure it all out, right? What's like, what is the script? I'm like, you know, there, there isn't mm. quite a script. Like it's, there's frameworks. And then there's trial and error. Like that's, that's what it is. So, um, so you did well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You set what three appointments was that if I remember correctly? Uh, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. I set up three appointments in the first day and, um, she was really excited. I was really excited. Um, you know, it was like a small salary, 10 bucks an hour plus, you know, per placement fee. I think it was a thousand dollars per placement at the time. I was like, I could do this and I'm going to be rich, you know, (laughs) Honda Civic. I mean, come on, man, you get a Lexus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, Uh, it was an opportunity too to really like feel like uh, a true professional and and feel like you're actually making a difference, right? You're not just in that hamster wheel, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, I started around the same time, June, 2013. I think I mentioned a couple an episode before I, I was paying for gas to get to my interview and I was living on LA in change like pennies, dimes. Cause I was working a telecom job and I just got a bunch of commissions taken from me cause I made the sale, but then Verizon and all that, like they screwed up the install, like mm. the guarantee install date. So I'm like, what the heck guys? Like, what are we doing here? And so, you know, I lose my commission checks. I got a, you know, $1,500 draw in Los Angeles, which, you know, can buy me four sandwiches. Like I, I was broke in an Aerotech. I mean, it, it was, it was like, it saved me. And I saw that the parking lot and people hitting contests. And I was like, whoa, like I've made it, you know, my ill-fitting suit yeah. and everything else. And I was like, I don't know how I get there. I'm just going to keep showing up and hopefully someone will help me figure it out. Uh, it, it sounds like you, like, it kind of saved my career, to be honest, getting in recruiting. Like, it, I don't know, I was a little older than you at the time, but like, it's when, before you started, but I don't know how you feel, but like, that's kind of how I feel about recruiting. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, I come from the underserved population, right? We yeah. grew up poor, you know, we grew up drinking water for dinner occasionally, yeah. you know, and then I, I can relate very much, man. I, uh, you know, we stopped at Goodwill uh, the week before I started. I was like, these are like, these are real professionals, man. I can't show up, you know, in my, you know, t-shirt with holes in it. Yeah. I was like, let's go to Goodwill, get some nice, you know, nice slacks, yeah. you know, a nice button up shirt. Looks like my great grandpa's. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think really, I think it, it's what got me out of, of poverty essentially. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful, honestly, that someone gave me a shot. That's what we try to do, you know, here at Titan is give people a shot. I, I love that. And the, yeah, you got to evolve from the, the tuxedo t-shirt to, to right in a, a suit and tie. So uh, the, the no degree piece is interesting. I've never felt, mostly because my own experience and I was a barely C plus B minus student in high school and college, uh, I was like, I know it doesn't matter. And I hired recruiters, even at Aerotech, that didn't have degrees. And they 
went on to become successful and their salespeople still at the company. Uh, how has that kind of motivated you in, in your career and, and starting a business? Well, it's kind of twofold. You know, number one, I always thought like that was the only way to be successful. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually get into the world of recruiting and learn that these people with degrees, you know, they're just people. Yeah. Um, and then the second part was, you know, I always felt like I had to like work three times harder, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm not great at spelling. Um, sometimes I speak street, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I have to really work hard to articulate the words that I say because it's not how I normally communicate, you know? So I feel like I've had to outwork everybody um, in an effort to, to bridge that gap of education, if you will. Um, but I think that allowed me to, to gain a lot of experience and just kind of get those reps in. And, and I think that that's what I say to my team. It's like in this job, it's not about like doing the job better than anybody. It's about doing every little thing just a little better. You know, I talk about saving seconds. I'm all about saving seconds because those seconds turn into minutes, minutes turn into hours. And then there's, you know, a ton of free time that you don't have elsewhere. So I've had to work to get those seconds really hard, if that makes sense. I, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I love the the way you kind of phrase it and make it simple, right, to remember because it is so important, right? How quickly you can put together a submittal package or ask the right question so you don't have to call the candidate back or the client back or qualify a good rec so you can actually explain it to your recruiter and then have a million questions back, right? And you're like, oh crap, like I didn't I, I didn't get that information. And it's like the, you know, kind of the call of shame back to a client, which is the worst, uh, or a candidate. Uh, so it's like it all kind of matters. So I'm I, I love that. I love that phrase. Um, I'm stealing that call of shame. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's that's gonna be it's gonna be our headline tomorrow on our post, right? <laughs> the, yeah, the call of go. shame. <sighs> uh, you, I, one of the things I, I picked, you know, just kind of hearing you on, on another podcast, you talked about the power of a mentor, and I love the example you gave. They were mm. just like, okay, you're like, hey, I got a great candidate, and you didn't have any of the information, so like, all right, call him back, call him back, you know, like, do what you got to do, like, go figure it out, like which I think kind of goes into saving seconds, right? You have to like have that rite of passage. You can only get there through reps and recruiting mm. and kind of get to where you want to be, which I love the mental challenge of that. But talk to me about when you were kind of getting started, having mentors in recruiting, um, kind of like who those were, kind of how they impacted you. Yeah, um, I think about it all the time. Um, what does Scott Love say? He says something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, like, Recruiting is uh, career development disguised as a career or personal development disguised as a career, yeah. right? And and I think it rings true because this job, will, if you're not ready for it and you don't have somebody that you can lean on, it'll it'll chew you up and spit you out. Um, another podcast, I think it was Brian Fink said that if you've been doing this for 10 months now, you're an expert. Um, but I've always had somebody, luckily you know, um, who's always been there for me. Um, whether it was, you know, when I first started, uh, it was Jason and Christy. Jason's the guy that, that I mentioned, um, I get really excited. You know, you have a three minute call with somebody who's like, yeah, I'll talk to him. And you're like, I got one. You know, you run up to his desk. You're like, Hey man, I finally got you somebody. She's like, she's a nurse. 
Yeah. You're like, all right, well, this is for a director of infection control. So uh, what hospital is she working at as an infection control nurse? We're like, well, no, 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 she's a nurse, man. We're like, okay, well, call her back. Yeah. You know, so having someone there to coach me throughout all of it and help me get those reps in and help me kind of get the experience quicker, if that makes sense. Like I can learn from all of his mistakes. And that's one thing I try and do with my team too, is like trying to cram 10 years of experience into like, you know, six months. Um, so it's imperative, I think, to have somebody there that you can lean on to be like, how, how can I handle this? Or here's something that I think I'm doing correctly and they can right size you a little bit, yeah. you know, and say the things that maybe you don't want to hear, but maybe you need to hear in order to, you know, personally and professionally grow. I love that. I love the, the the nurse, and it's a director. Yeah, infectious disease or whatever. I mean, I was I did I was recruiting skilled trades in general labor. It was the same mm. thing. They they say they can drive a forklift. Like, have they did they tell you at any other time that they have? Is it stand up? Is it cherry picker? Is it sit down? I'm like, what are those things? You know, like I had no idea. Like, I mean, he said he knows how to drive a forklift, right? And then you find out, like, yeah, people will say anything, and we got go to work, so they don't even interview with the client. We just mm. it's on us to send the person, and they show up. You know, they could hit something, or crash equipment, and all that. Like, it's very real. You're like, oh, that's how I got to qualify. <laughs> the, the candidate and see if they match the job order because you know same thing with a nurse like you place the wrong wrong person that, that could have some serious consequences so you kind of like yeah, sure. you, you get out of bumbling idiot mode pretty quick um, and I say that with with all love I mean I'm looking back at myself uh, which I, I don't know how I made it this long this far but it was it was the mentor it was it was my manager Mo was just so good at kind of coaching me out of the bad habits that I think is easy mm. to fall into in recruiting if you don't have someone to steer you in the right direction. Uh, and I think it's a shame because I've come across recruiters that way, you know, when I talk to them, like, hey, there is a whole other approach that you could take. And I feel blessed to have the mentors I did. It sounds like, you know, you, you, you had the same and it, it has such an impact. That's why I started the digital recruiter because the things I've learned, mm. I'm like, how cool would it be to like pass this knowledge on and expedite the learning curve and, you know, create some pretty great recruiters out there. Cause it's, it's nice when you get those tips and you get people that expedite your career and your path. Like it, it is that personal development. Like there's, it's so rewarding. You almost kind of want to give back as much as you can. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Heck yeah. No. And, and that's why I love trying to immerse myself in, in every bit of content you can, right? Yeah. Whether it's your podcast, you know, everyone I've listened to so far, there's like a definitely, there's a nugget. There's at least a few nuggets. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've been doing this for 10 years, 30 years, or six days, yeah. right? I think it's important to hear what everyone else is doing because you'll start to put, you'll start to hear like echoing the same messages. And you're like, wow, that thing I've heard before that I've really never attempted to do now I've heard it seven times from seven different sources. There must be something there. Yeah. Well, it's like that and, consistency you said, right? Like this mm -hmm. podcast, if that can be that consistency for people where these different owners and people in recruiting are successful and there's themes, you know, that I'm seeing over and over and I'm hearing over again, you know, and if I don't know what that is or how to approach it or how, how do I stay consistent or how do I come up with a territory plan and, how do I stick to it? How do I know whether to stick with it or trash it and come up with something new, right? Like there's all these kind of unknowns if you haven't gone through it before. 
And if you can hear those stories and kind of see it, like it kind of gives you the confidence, like, all right, I just got to stay with this. Cause as you, I think you mentioned all the time, consistency is it like in recruiting, right? It's an art, it's a science, but nothing trumps Trump's consistency in this game, in this business. How do you, how do you kind of coach that? Like, how do you have that, but how do you filter for that and coach that? Hmm. Well, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, managing time. Um, So like we were just crunching some more numbers this morning. Like, so we're only here from eight 30 to five Monday through Thursday and from nine o'clock to two o'clock on Friday. It's our admin day. We might be doing some restructuring, but we did the math today. If you take in uh, lunch and you take, you know, into consideration all the meetings we have, there's like 22 hours, you know, work time. Um, which is a part-time job, right? Yeah. And and how do we maximize that? And then everybody here works a full desk. So how are you going to work a full desk in 22 hours and generate what most everyone sets their own goal? But what most folks would consider successful is six figures, right? Uh, how do you generate six figures in 22 hours with you know the needing to do all of it? And I think it all comes down to managing your time effectively, trying to uh, navigate between non-revenue generating activities and revenue generating activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to say like we're like uh, trained hound dogs, right? Like any dog can smell, right? But like a trained hound dog knows exactly where to go in the forest to find whatever it is it's looking for. Yeah. And that to us is revenue generating activity. So we have like a, a list of things that like uh, in the middle of your day, if you have any of these things that come up, you need to drop whatever you're doing and and do that because that is going to move the needle forward. You know, like a not let me give you an example, a non-revenue generating activity would be uh, developing a uh, lead list uh, for business development or uh, I forgot what they call it in recruiting, like a stack of candidates, basically uh, sourcing a pool of candidates. Um Although they, they can move the needle forward, like in that moment, it's really like non-revenue generating activity. What I would call revenue generating activity on the other end would be a scheduled call with a client, uh, a debrief after an interview, uh, a prep for an interview, uh, scheduling or coordinating a, an interview, closing a candidate and offer. You know, those are the things that help move the needle forward. Yeah. So I'd say prioritizing um, is really important too. So time management. Uh, revenue generating activity and prioritizing. I, I love it. That's uh, and the the examples specifics I think are are definitely helpful because there can be some confusion because you know my manager always said like don't source at nine a.m. source at six mm. p.m. seven p.m. or whenever you're done right with with calls for the day. I'm like that was one of the best pieces of advice I got. I don't know if I always. <laughs> stick to that right but i mean because it's typically like a sunday activity is when i try to kind of build the list for the week and everything you know maybe spend an hour kind of prep for the week it, it is um you know and i know you have a whole journey with nutrition and everything else it's almost like kind of the meal prepping right on sunday you kind of want to get ahead of the week and building out your list who you're going to go after the mm-hmm. calls all that on a sunday night to kind of have it for you know for, for the week so it, it, i don't there, there's some interesting parallels there uh, yeah. No, I, I, I you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? I think it's kind of like health and fitness, right? It's like um, everybody knows, 
you know, everyone knows that they should eat healthy exercise, yeah. right? But it's like, who who are the ones that are meal prepping on Sundays, yeah. right? Those are the ones that are actually going to, you know, get fit and healthy, yeah. you know, every, my, uh, one of my uh, newer mentors, friends, uh, he's like, you know, he said, everybody's on a diet, but who's actually like following it, eating salads, right? <laughs> You know, like, those are the people that are going to do things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just those little things and little decisions you make or the ones you avoid right day to day. Like that's it kind of it all all adds up. And so kind of to that point, let's just dive into the topic that I, I really want to make sure we cover is business development. Because I think you're doing things that would terrify everyone, uh, especially doing them the consistent the way you do them and in, in, in every day. You know, so talk to us. Like you started the agency a year ago, right? So congrats on that, on that anniversary. And I know you mentioned you guys got off the ground pretty quick, right? Even with a non-compete in place, right? You got some clients pretty quick. Like, how'd you guys go about that? Yeah, so um, we kind of took the the burn the ships mentality, if you will. Yeah. Um, Alexander the Great, you know, um, they got to Persia. They burned all the ships. They said, well, how are we supposed to get back? They said, well, we're going back on Persian ships. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our mentality. You know, we did. We have a six-month non-compete. We couldn't work for six months. I think it definitely helped us in a lot of ways. Uh, fast forward to us starting, we still had a six-month non-solicit agreement. Yeah. So although we can work as recruiters, we can't solicit business from clients that we know pay fees. That kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, so we were like, what do we do? Well, we can't recruit because we have no jobs to work on. We can't manage any accounts and we can post on LinkedIn, but you know, um, it, it's funny you mentioned that too. Business development. There's a post from today, uh, last year. We put this big social media post that said, uh, Titan Placer Group is now accepting clients. Like we thought, we thought that that was gonna, the you know, they're just gonna the come they're coming in. Yeah. Like, hold on, I'm gonna hit, <laughs> I'm gonna hit posts and the phones are just gonna yeah. explode. Um, that's not how it worked, but no, um, back against the wall. Basically we, we, it was feast or famine. It was either basically, I mean, we just had, I just had my son. Um, it was either I figure this out or, or, uh, you know, we're going to be living off credit cards again, you know, pretty soon. Um, so that meant that definitely helped, you know, uh, drive me, I'd say. Um, but we've taken a really like old school, uh, approach to business development. And the old-fashioned, old-school sales mentality, like with soft hands and a little bit of technology, will take you very, very far yeah. um, in this in this world and in recruiting. Um, not to say we don't do MPC pitching, you know, we don't dabble in some technology, you know, with email campaigns and you know different means of, of getting clients. We try to get, you know immersed in all the different tools that are available but the old-fashioned um picking up the phone you know engaging with professionals you know trying to get like have a conversation finding the pain point getting a hold of the person who's dealing with the pain you know they're the person that's going to influence the decision the most you know and, and kind of like targeting those types yeah. of people and kind of taking that approach i feel like it's been really beneficial to us um I wrote down a list of different things here that I thought would be helpful for you and for your viewers. So old fashioned sales was like the number one thing I think that has helped us successfully. 
Um, MPC pitching, super important. Um, qualifying our leads too. We're not just calling like yes. everybody. Like we're in healthcare. Uh, so we're not just calling every healthcare organization in the country. Um, so I think niching down, I think is important too, because it makes the job a little easier when you only have to do um, one specialty. Like I've had people reach out to me since the last podcast and they're like, well, I'm about to start my own recruiting company. Like, what should I do? They're like, I want to recruit everything for everybody. I'm like, well, that's you know, the first thing I would say is find a niche, right? Qualify your leads. So, you know, we're going to do healthcare. And then a lot of the times we, we try and go for uh, medium sized companies. So when they're too small, they don't have any money yeah. or they're cheap. Right. And then even if they have money, they're cheap. And then if they're so big, they have money. Um, but they usually have their own team as well. And so we try and find the sweet spot, right? The people that have have money and they don't have their own team. Um, that's important for us, I think, when we're targeting. Well, well, it's huge. I mean, the targeting, the approach, knowing the problem you solve, your value prop, right? Niching down. How are you going to communicate that to the market and stand out from the noise is mm. huge. It's, it's I mean, I'm sure it's got to make the cold call so much yeah, relatively easier, right? To kind of pick up the phone and get through that anxiety because there's like, you've now created a real reason as to why you're reaching out versus mm. the the blind, you know, kind of the, the blind aim, the blind targeting. We you'd never call uh, just because yeah. uh, we're calling with the reason, a purpose or intent. The reason for my call is the purpose for my call is the intent behind my call is X. Um, that's just like old school sales, I think, 101, yeah. right? You never say like, hey, my name is Justin. Um, it's like a big no-no, right? Immediately within three seconds of that call, they know I have no idea who this person is. If you have to introduce yourself, you lost it. They don't know who you are. Yeah. Right. You're you're already done. They're already checked out. Everything you say after that is 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 you know, just uh Charlie Brown, you know, want 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 want, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it, it's almost like even just, and we've been coaching this up with some of our clients, just like they're, they're calling people that have an open job, but they're almost like, what, what if I like, you know, Hey, I saw this open job. I'm curious to learn more about it. Then they think that they're a nurse. Right. I'm like, then they get mad when they call you back and they realize you're a recruiter. I'm like, you know, the job's been open longer than 30 days. They're not getting any applicants. Why don't you just say that? And you'd be like, hey, I'm calling because I saw this job been open. Like, we just placed a few people in your area, a few nurses in your area. Like, do you, you want to talk about this? Like, we might be able to help. And they're like, yeah, of course. Or let me connect you with HR so and get agreement in place and get this thing going. And it's like, it's like this like eureka moment for them because you're just, you're shifting it. Like, it's real value. You're thinking about them and like, what's in it for them? And like, inferring a lot of those pain points, right? If you've done the initial targeting, is that kind of similar to kind of your approach and kind of how, how you're how you're attacking it? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it sounds like rudimentary and it sounds like, you know, like, wait, <laughs> it's that easy? Like, no, man, like pick up the phone and say, hey, I see you have a problem. This is sales. I have a solution to your problem. And then with recruiting, it's even better because you're not only you're not coming with the like a whole process and a system like a lot of the times you're doing it well, you're coming with the solution. I have the candidate that will solve all of your problems. Here you go. Right. Um, 
such an easier way to prospect. That's for sure. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure because you've been at this now almost a decade in the same industry, your confidence, I mean, you can navigate and be comfortable on your feet talking, not just the, you know, find a wreck, fill a wreck, right? But the actual business case, the the impact that a certain role, like if you see that open or multiple open roles in a company, you probably know like the sign-on bonus is maybe too big that they're offering or there's a red flag here or like all the domino effect red flags, right? From just being in your industry and just attacking those phones, like what's it making a cold call for you now versus say even like nine years ago or eight years ago when you didn't quite know that? Like what's been the difference for you? That's a good point. Um, I learned a lot about healthcare from the candidates that we work with. So I think that's a good point. If you're new in the industry, just always ask like, hey, I'm new at this. What do you do? You know, what do you do as a nurse? And then you'll learn, I think, through that. So like, yeah, nowadays I know that if let's just say a job that I'm working on, um, a clinical manager position for a Medicare home healthcare organization. Um, before I would just say, okay, so find someone, you know, who is a manager of and a nurse, right? That's how I would start a manager and a nurse, man. They have to be a nurse. They have to be a manager. That's what the job description says. And then now I know that what they really want and what everybody wants in recruiting, they want someone who's doing the exact same job right now somewhere else. So try and target. I start there, right? If I'm trying to give people exactly what they want. Yeah. So I'll, you know, target local competition, you know, uh, reach out to people that, you know, uh, are doing the job now. But what I know now too, is that I'm, I'm working with the DON, um, or if I'm prospecting for that type of opening, I know that the DON, uh, is now having to pick up the shifts of that, you know, clinical manager that is not there. So because I've been doing this for so long, I know who's feeling the pain, the person who's got to, you know, work an extra two days a week and not get to see their kids at night, you know, that person's feeling some pain, yeah. I'll tell you. And it's only a matter of time before they're looking to leave themselves. And I think hiring managers forget that too. You know, they're yeah. like, well, well, we got someone taking care of it. We're like, well, well, hold on. Let's slow down a little bit, taking care of it. So is that more than they're, you know, because who's going to work, who's going to do more work for the same amount of money? For how long is anyone going to do that? Yeah. Uh, regardless of how loyal you are to the team, I don't think anyone in their good mind would do that. Um, so long-winded way of saying before I would have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just looking for someone who's a manager and a nurse. And now I know that I know exactly the they need to have Oasis experience. I know the pain points, probably the DON. So I can hit the DON. I say, hey, I know a lot of people are looking for uh, clinical managers like you, uh, here's kind of sets us apart. Um, I know that, you know, you need someone who needs Oasis experience who can hit the ground running, requires no training ramp up. Cause you don't have time for that. You're already working two extra days a week. And they're like, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. You're a psychic. I'm yeah. In there. yeah. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, and that's what I was saying, like a great recruiter, great salesperson recruiting, they're five steps ahead of the client and candidate at all times. Right. Like that's where you like you can it's like a great QB, right? You can read the field, you can see the field, throw, you know, hit the hit the receiver before they even break on their route. Like that's kind of what you are, right? And you're you're directing that. And it's such a value add to both sides. And I think that's like the the wall, the barrier recruiters have to kind of get over it when they realize they are a value add and they've internalized that. And that's where having a niche and just owning it, because you can't learn everything that there is to know about everything, right? In this time, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's not enough time. 
Right? And people know that, but they they believe that you could be a specialist in something. And that's where the money is. And then you internalize that confidence. And then that's where sales happens. Like that's mm. where people are like, yes. That's a good point. Um, people do. They see us like, especially if you're new. And then we say, hey, this is how much our fees are. They immediately are like, what? Yeah. Like I have to call this person and say, you got to pay me $30,000 for a physician. Like that's crazy. Um, but if you, the longer you've been in it, the more you understand, like, no, we, we are actually a huge value add. We're not a cost or an expense. Like we're the difference between like this patient getting seen and not like yeah. it, it can be that important, you know? So when you're calling a, a prospective client and you're like, Hey, Mr. Hiring Manager, we just placed a uh, dentist in your area. Uh, during our search, I've recruited Clark, uh, Clark's cool. You know, he's been in the dental industry for 11 years. Uh, he's not really, you know, actively looking for a new opportunity. Um, however, um, he told me that if I come across a client in the area that, that is a good top-notch organization, he'd be willing to have a conversation. If this is someone you want to talk to, you know, give me a call. Like, that's going to set you apart night and day. I, I hope people are like, like 33 minutes in, you like capture that approach. And mm-hmm. then, if you do that and every single day, I think I've heard you and I've talked about this, the eight touch points, right? With each prospect at least, right? And just have your touches every day. If that's the approach every single day, I mean, you, 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 you can't help but run into success in this industry, mm. if you come up with that, that approach, right? I mean, I think that's kind of defines, you know, your career in a sense, right? It's just like, just really smart, be able to pick up on those patterns and the nuances, the knowledge of the industry with just old school hustle like and work ethic. Yeah. Like that's the secret sauce. Like that, that's, that's it. That's the art and the science all wrapped in one. Yeah, if you put hard work, uh, a passion and commitment for and willingness to do whatever it takes, and then you actually care and are compassionate, if you can put those three things together, like there's, there's no reason why you can't be successful in yeah. this, in this organization or this industry rather. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, let's talk, you got some great clients, right? You broke through, you did old school, you made cold calls, like you were smart about it. You had lit and then you get the sales call, right? Then you're talking to call, you're talking to hiring managers and prospects and decision makers. How do you go about qualifying, like say great clients, good clients, not so good potential, like mm. good and bad wrecks. Like what's your approach there? So when we first started, um, we did take a um, whatever we can get approach. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You know, we, we were just kind of like, just whatever you got to do to get the agreement signed, man, get it signed, and then we'll figure out if they're good once we send them a candidate. Mm. And that was that was our thought process for a long time. It's like, well, you really don't know, and there's there's a testament to that though. You really don't know how good a client is until you submit a, a high quality candidate, because even if they tell you in your intake, like, Hey, no, we, we, you know, from, from the day you submit it to offer, we're talking two weeks and then four days has gone by and you haven't heard anything after you submitted a candidate, you're kind of like, well, uh, but it all starts from qualifying them appropriately. We do an intake. So um, we've now, we don't really take everybody. Um, we have an opportunity to bring on more clients because we have more team members, but we try and make sure that they're doing um, the right things uh, and that there's, you know, ability for us to actually make a placement, right? That's important. We have a, a 
checklist um, called Rank Your Clients um, that you do after you do an intake call or after you've been working with them. And we try to do it on a, a monthly basis where we'll have one of our job order meetings. We'll go over each client and then rank them on a scale of one to 10. There's 10 metrics. Um, I'll give you some examples. One of them is like reputation. And that could be reputation in the area. Is that, you know, does everyone, everyone in the area knows who they are and, and they don't want to work there? Well, that's a challenge, right? So you get a zero for that one. Yeah. Um, expectation for the position. Is they, you know, are they severely underpaying for the amount of, you know, work that they're requiring for the position? You know, like, do they get the checkbox for that? Right. Um, history of working with the client. If you've never worked with them before, they don't get a checkbox. Right. And we try and really try and, um, prioritize clients that are a C or better. So like a seven to 10. Um, and then, you know, when you're done with the seven to tens, you go to the sixes and then you go to the fives. And then we try to really not to work on or prioritize anything below a five. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the, the ways that we do that. How do you communicate to a five or a four or a three that they are a five or a four or a three? Yeah. Um, one thing I think that's a, a new topic, uh, it's been a, all the rage recently, um, but I think it just works in all aspects in life is transparency. Yeah. Um, a lot of folks, when I first started, it was like old school sales, like you got to create the narrative kind of thing. And I think people have carried that on into like their livelihoods um, where it's like, well, we got to we got to like angle it this way or, you know, come at it this way or how about that way? And it's like, well, why can't we just be honest and transparent? Yeah. Um, and it's taken me, you know, very far. Um, so I'll literally be like, Hey, Mr. Hiring Manager, once a month we sit down and we go over every single client that we're working with. And, um, this month we went over you. Um, so based on our experience of working with you, and I would go down the list. I'd say, so number one is this history, uh, reputation in the area. I'm sure you know. They know. They know. Come on. Yeah. They know, like, you know that in your area, uh, if I call 50 nurses, 40 of them are not going to say good things about you. The other 10 don't answer the phone. That's a problem. How are we going to overcome that? A hurdle. And that's where I take more of like a consultant approach than more of like a, an order taker. Um I don't know if it was a podcast or what, but I heard this the other day. It was like an order taker. Like if you go to a restaurant, you're like, I want steak. And they go, okay. Boop. And then they leave and they come back and they just throw a steak on a plate. Yeah. And like, you're like, I mean, like, yes, it's a steak, right? You sent me a candidate, but you didn't even ask me like, how do I like my steak? Yeah. Or like, do I want ribeye or T-bone? Filet, or like, do I want seasoning on there? Butter, do yeah, I want garlic butter. Right, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we try and take that approach with our clients too. Like, hey, you told me what you wanted uh, based off the criteria you've given me. Here's why I'm having some struggles. So number one, your reputation um, is not great. Uh, what are we doing to impact and make a difference on that right now? And when you, you can take all of that information on that call and then just reverse engineer it into your recruiting. And so now you have all of your... Uh, answers to the objections that you have while you're recruiting on the position. Yeah. So like if, if he says, you know, our reputation is not that great, but here's all the initiatives we have. So when a, next time a candidate says, I've heard bad things about that company or like, Hey, I've heard that too. Um, here's some of the initiatives that they're handling, you know, they're doing right now to, to tackle that. 
reputation. And then boom, you can handle that objection. Um, and then go through one through 10 with them. And hopefully if they're willing, you can take a, a five to a seven, right? Or a, set, a five to an eight, but you're not taking a one to a seven. That's impossible, right? Uh, you can't take a, you could take a nine and make it a zero too pretty quick. Um, but there's an ability to influence it slightly, uh, given the flexibility of your client. I, I love that approach. A lot of people can learn a lot from just that approach. It's, and especially you're not taking the one from a seven. The one's got to get themselves to a four or a five first. Right? They got to have the willingness to kind of change and be different and want to do something different to actually solve the problem, right? Not everyone is going to get there and being able to kind of like say no early and know that the only option for them to ever get it right is for them to come back to you. Uh, very similar in coaching. Uh, it's, I can't coach someone that doesn't want to be coached. Uh, it's, it's, and I'm going to learn that from the recruiting days, right? You can't help someone with hiring that doesn't want the help or not doesn't want to go about it the right way, right? Or it's all talk, but doesn't back it up with actions. Um, no, I think it's really helpful for people to kind of break that down. Some of the nuance because a lot of people I work with and coach and talk to get really confused with that of like how to set boundaries, how to be transparent and just be consultative. As you said, it's like, how do we change the script, right? How do we change the story to this and to this approach in the market? And that is so powerful. I always try to think about it. I use empathy a lot in my career. Yeah. Um, I always think about like, what would I, if, if I saw a friend, like a real true, like I'm real, I like to think I'm a, a good friend. Uh, but if I see one of my friends struggling, like, am I a real friend? If I don't, you know, yeah. share the detail. If I know, if like, if I see like we're in a friend group and everybody in the group's talking about whatever situation it is, but no one's talking about it with the person, like, like, like this client, they know they have a bad reputation, but do they know that that's the reason why people aren't willing to come work there? They might not, yeah. you know, and it, 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 that's my duty, like to share that with them because like, especially, I just feel indebted because it's healthcare. Like I want to see the, the, the nation's healthcare improve. Yeah. Um, and the only way we do that is by, you know, not being afraid to say what we want to say. Uh Absolutely. I mean, I think you've mentioned before, just start with having engaging conversations every single day, multiple times a day, and you'll get more comfortable having the tough conversations. Right. And just, and, but that's a, that's, that is the barrier, right? It's to just the willingness to just say it out loud and it becomes easier and easier. I mean, I'm sure you, you have no problem now doing it. I mean, was it just reps that got you there? Was it like studying someone? Like how'd you become comfortable with the uncomfortable? Just kind of living in it, you know, yeah. the, the more uncomfortable, the, the more time I spend in that uncomfortability zone, the longer I can go. It, and, and I feel like it, it just kind of works that way. Like you're only capable of, I wrote it down, like limited beliefs is along the same lines, right? Um, you're only capable of achieving what you believe that you're capable of, you know, doing, if that makes sense. And it all comes down to just like how, 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 uh, how much are you willing to endure? Uh, you know, what was that John Maxwell quote? There's something along the lines of, uh, someone came up to him and was like, Hey, I want to, I want to be you one day. And he's like, okay, well, are you willing to do what I did in yeah. order to get here? Um, so yeah. yeah, that's important. I think for sure. Absolutely. I love that. No, it, it's, 
It's true. There's persistence, you know, when you're down, how you treat people when you're down and things aren't going well. And I think that kind of builds the character, right? Your attitude of things, you know, you might not be where you want to be, but that's okay. You got to own it. You got to own where you're at today. And that can be good times, right? Bad times. I've learned to really appreciate the good times in, in, in my life because I've had a few not so good, uh, many not good times. And it's just like, you know, it's not, you can't take it for granted. And, you know, it's, you can't have, I think I used to be someone that was very complacent, you know, when I hit a peak and I get kind of get complacent and I don't know about you. I know you're, you know, you've, you know, been with, you know, you, you, I think you got married a few years ago, but then had your first child last year, right? I got recently married and had a kid. Is that, am I wrong there or? Uh, pretty yeah. close. Pretty we close. got engaged, you know, and then, and then married after the kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And so how's, and kind of my point here is how has, Starting a family, right? Having your son, mm. being married, being a business owner, starting a business at the same time. How has that impacted you or changed you? Um, it's definitely changed me, yeah. you know, for sure. Um, a lot of positive ways. Yeah. Um, there's some challenges, I'd say, too, that have come. Um, it's changed me in, in the sense of like now, you know, you hear about, talk, you know, people working for something greater than themselves. Um, and that could be whatever that means to you. But for me, it just meant like, I have to be the example for my family, for my son. Um, I've always wanted to have kids and uh, always wanted to be a good dad. Right. And that's subjective. But to me, it just means like being there when he needs me, supporting him, you know, and being a good example. So for me, like that, that, I mean, like I'm not the same. I mean, like I've always been pretty decent at recruiting, but I'm not, I don't have the same drive that I did two years ago. Um, it's completely different. Um, I was totally okay working for somebody else for the rest of my life, you know, up until I knew that my son was coming. Yeah. And then I was like, well, well, why would I? Like, if I was going to be an example and show him that he's capable of doing anything that he can in, in this world, like, I should at least try and do what I think I'm capable of doing in this world, which, which is starting a business. Um, so that's, that's the part. Challenges have just been like... Uh, I miss, I miss them. You know, I miss leaving every day and, and coming to work. Um, you know, I leave when they're asleep. So it's not as, 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 you know, impacting or impactful. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I would, I love the idea of, of, you know, working 20 hours a week and then spending the other 20 hours, you know, being the baseball coach, yeah. you know, one day and that's the goal, right. Is, is hopefully, you know, work my tail off for the first few years here. So where I can kind of dial it back a little bit and spend a little bit more quality time. Um, but yeah, long winded way of saying dude, it's changed my life forever. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything. Um, I absolutely love having him in my life. And, uh, I think it's made me a better man, a better person, a better recruiter, a better business partner, a better husband, um, better everything in my opinion. I, I love it. I love it. it, it it's, you know, I'm right there with you, and I think it's important to talk about, you know, especially fatherhood and and business owners and the impact. There's a, a shift that I see going on in our. Uh, there's obviously a shift in society the last few years in this decade. I, we don't have to cover all those things, but there is like a spiritual shift going on where there is like a like that presence and fatherhood is really coming back. And I think our generation is for the fathers that I see really place a lot of importance. Like you see that, you know, you hold your, your baby, you hold your son and it's just like, Oh, now I get it. 
Like it's bigger than me. Like it clicks and I've heard it and I, I, I believed it, but until you feel it and you experience it, and this isn't to be like, you don't know until you're a parent. It's not, I'm not talking about that attitude at all. I'm like, it is just like a personal journey. You talk about self-development recruiting. It's like, Oh boy. Like, okay. Like this is a different ball game mm. and it's been so amazing. And it's awesome to hear you talk about it. Cause I, I feel it like, and I live it in my soul of just the impact and he, he doesn't know. He's just there smiling at me, taking yeah, care of. And like, I'm just like, dude, you don't know how awesome you are. <laughs> like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, and you gotta, but you know, like they are not going to believe you. I don't know what triggers inside of us, but like, I can't be about the talk. Like I have to be about the action and I have to mm. do it because I know, especially having a son, he's only going to watch my, my example, not what I say, because that's how I was mm. growing up. And it's just like, there is like a different trigger that goes off in the drive. Uh, it's just cool to hear you talk about it. Cause I, I, I resonate with it. So. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah, man. I love, I love, I'm a huge family, man. Family's yeah. super important to me. And, and, for me personally, like, I'm willing to do whatever I can and I'll work 90,000 hours a week, you know, to keep a roof over his head and food in his belly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just good. It's good to be people in the business. It's not win at all costs, right? If you have that mission that's greater than you and I think you're hiring people and building recruiters and salespeople to expedite their learning curve and to be better than you were at certain stages and it's sort of the same thing with your son. I mean, that is that is worthwhile like and that's worthy and that's you know it's a big part of all this and the digital recruiter and titan placement search and all that i think that's that's what's going to change the narrative in the recruiting the agency recruiting game it's just like the the little ripples that we can cause with our team of five team of 10 15 Mm. people like that's the domino effect Um, so it's cool to just talk to you about it, get to know you on, you know, on, uh, on an episode, have our first conversation be like this. And yeah, just heck so yeah, man. People can just be like, Oh, that is pretty, like, it's pretty cool. Right. If you're going to just put yourself out there, like, you don't know who you can meet and, and be inspired by. Right. And kind of the rising boats, you know, um, you know, rising tides lift all boats type of thing. So, um, you know, I appreciate you sharing that. Heck yeah, man. No. And, and thanks for having me on. Um, I really do appreciate it. I think you hit the nail on the head. Get yourself out there. Meet some people. You know, you'll meet some people that make a huge impact in your life. And and Clark, I think it's been really cool to 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 get to know you a little bit more. And I can already tell this won't be the last time we talk. No, that's for sure. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If uh, what do you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, it can be anything. Well, um, shoot. Uh, January, we're moving offices. Nice. So uh, keep an eye out on LinkedIn. I'm uh, going to see some really cool stuff coming from uh, old Titan placement group. I love it. I love it. Well, we're, well, we're not going to end just yet. I, I got to ask a question. You're in person. You got people in, in office every day of the week. How is that compared to potentially training people virtually for you? Or what's been the decision, you know, thought process behind that? Yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge um, to train virtually. Um, show me one MMA fighter that learned how to fight over Zoom. It's hard. It's hard. I'm a very, yeah. I'm a kinetic learner, man. I, I gotta be hands on. You know, I got, I gotta be like, show me, and I'll do it right now. Um, so I think that's been really important. The video and the audio, we're dialing in. Um, I've got someone right now putting together a, a, an elite training package. Um, so hopefully that'll, that'll cover those bases. Uh, but I'm a huge proponent of, of kinetic learning. Like, like here's a hammer. Let's go build a house together. Yeah. 
I, I love that. I mean, I'm doing everything virtually right now, except for when you know, I've trained my wife up on some recruiting, some recruiting stuff. And, <laughs> and that's been, it has been interesting to kind of bring that almost in-person training back a little bit. I mean, I've just been, I would say forced to do it virtually. I just kind of have just the nature of mm. kind of the last three years. It can be effective, but I learned in person and being in the pit, as we called it, and it. there is just something about it, like it just drives you, like you can't not do the activity because you're gonna get exposed real quick. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, right. And I think we're doing some interesting things virtually to create those bumpers and kind of have people reveal if they're actually doing the work or not. Um, mm. But it's there is something about just being in, in, in person, and and I'm excited to do some events and we have our team together and all that stuff because I'm with you. Like, oh heck yeah! There's no better ceiling in terms of learning than kind of just being in that pit and figuring it out. So um, mm-hmm. I, I had to make sure we covered that topic because I, I, I yeah, it's a, it's important. I know people are wondering, you know, it's like it's in person, virtual, and you know you got to figure out what the best way is for you to start. Just to kind of create that revenue, right? Have office mm-hmm. space and everything else, but it's you can get the team together, to do it. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, one way or another, you know, yeah. heck or high water, whether yeah. it's virtual, in person, as long as you are putting the work in, yeah. that's what moves the needle. That's I it. it. I love it. Well, Justin, it's been a pleasure. We'll have your LinkedIn, your website on the episode page. I'm assuming those are the two best places to find you, right? that's it I love oh it. yeah i love it well hey thank you so much man uh for being on here i know this won't be the last time we talk um so i appreciate you man we'll have a we'll, uh, sounds good man my soon. pleasure awesome well thanks that, for having me you're welcome that'll be uh that'll be it for this episode this is awesome uh make sure to like great five stars all that good stuff right help the the little podcast you know uh achieve big things uh and uh until next time happy hunting guys